1: Welcome to a Big Squid presentation Space Podacy, a new limited series where comedian Ben Elwood and I discuss some of our favourite science fiction movies. Today we're kicking off with part one of our exploration of The Matrix. Thank you so much for joining us for what is the beginning of the finale to our Space Podacy series. Uh, originally, what we did was uh, came up with the idea and then Ben and I went away and we wrote a list of uh Ten movies, ten science fiction movies that we'd like to discuss. And The Matrix was on the original list. And what we did was we left a space open in case, uh, as we were working our way through the list, something popped up that we really wanted to talk about. And then we saw the trailer for the new Matrix film. And while we were still recording and, and working on Space Odyssey, I suggested to Ben, why don't we just go for it? Why don't we just watch every Matrix movie, discuss all of them, watch the animatrix, discuss that, and then maybe we could record a podcast in the new year for the latest Matrix film? And then, uh, so we put that into play, and then uh, I got an invite to the premiere, which is for us next Monday. And so that means we will have all of the Matrix films uh, recorded. Uploaded for you and then once you finish that we will have our review of the matrix resurrection uh, to finish off this whole limited series and pretty much finish up our big podcasts for the year so that's a really exciting way to finish everything up The trailer was fantastic. Like, I was so surprised at how excited I was when I saw that trailer. So, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, just so you can get your head around what we're doing... Today's podcast is part one of a two-part look at the Matrix. This is the podcast where we will look at the movie philosophically. We will give it some context culturally, specifically in what it meant when it was first released. And then through all that, Ben and I will interweave our own experiences, thoughts, and what effect the movie had on us. So this two-parter will do the heavy lifting for the whole Matrix series. On Thursday, I will upload the Matrix Reloaded. That'll just be a one-off. The following Tuesday, which will be the 21st of December, will be the Matrix Revolutions. And then that Thursday will be our Matrix Resurrections podcast. And then... If that's not enough for our Patreon subscribers, you will also receive next week our Animatrix podcast, Breaking Down the Anime-Inspired Cartoon. That has a lot more tie-in to the main series than you might remember. I- To be honest, I think uh, I'd forgotten as well, but you'll kind of hear our journey throughout the four podcasts of, you know, the experiences we've had and what we thought of The Matrix and what we think of it now. It's going to be a big few days to finish off the year, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Uh, Speaking of our Patreon, when you sign up to any tier for the Big Squid Podcast, you have an episode that is dedicated to you. And our patron shout-out today goes to Sam Streeter. Yes, you, Sam. Sam and I have known each other for a long time. She has become a good friend over the last few decades. She is one of my longest supporters that I've had, not just on this podcast, but on the comedy scene. Sam and I met last century... (laughs) Is that insane, Sam? Last century. And it's not like last century uh, and last century was three years ago. Like, it's over two decades. Like, what is happening, Sam? So, I met Sam in the last century. She has been coming to my shows ever since. She has a very distinctive laugh. I love it. It always, uh, because she knows her comedy, she will often laugh at slightly different parts of a routine and that always keeps me entertained on stage, because it's like, ah, oh, yeah, she got the little throwaway joke, or ah, oh, yeah, she knows what's going on with this setup. It's very funny. Uh, it's always kept me entertained. I hope it's, uh, <laughs> I hope I've entertained her as much as her laugh has entertained me. Uh, she has seen the early shows when I was finding my voice. Sam has seen three colours, Hamo, the Killing Joke, the Goodbye Guy, the Ballad of John Tilt, Animus. She saw every season of the Shelf that was my uh, show that I used to run with Adam Richard in Melbourne that ran for about 15 seasons. It's probably one of my favourite things that we ever made. It was dubbed the TV show, uh, the the comedy show you will never see on TV. That's what it was dubbed. And it was uh, like a cross between the big gig and, uh, you know, the late show. It had sketch, stand-up, improvised character, music. It had everything. And Sam saw every one of those seasons. So, and you know what? That's not even including random gigs. Uh other shows that I did or me just banging on about shit in the foyer. That's happened to her plenty of times, right, Sam? So uh, thank you for your continued support. It is people like you that inspire me to never stay still, to keep moving forward and always looking for new ways to entertain. And I'm sorry I missed you on your last trip to Sydney, but hopefully we can finally grab lunch next time we're in the same city. It has been way too long. Thank you very much, Sam Streeter. Sam Streeter, it sounds like a superhero's name, doesn't it? Uh, If you'd like to support the podcast and the work my friends and I are creating here, head to the Patreon site and you'll find a tier that suits your budget best. Now it is time to connect with Neo, a young computer hacker desperately attempting to find the elusive figure known as Morpheus. Neo wants to learn the truth, but that truth might shatter his mind and reveal what he's always suspected. There's something not Quite right with the world. To find the answers, Neo must make contact with the Matrix.
0: Whoa. Have you ever had a dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world?
1: What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that
0: drives us. What is the Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. Human beings are a disease. You are a cancer of this planet. And we. are the cure. Get me the hell out of here! Welcome to the real world You have to see it for yourself.
1: A couple of things before we really get into this Mm. is one is that the uh, there's been so much written about the Matrix and the trilogy. Yeah, we're going to try and come at it from a different angle on 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 as many places as we can. We're going to try and hit it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So. Look, to be honest, if if you're interested in how they did bullet time, which is a really fascinating read, yeah. we're not doing that here. Yeah, watch, go it, to YouTube. There's YouTube, there's plenty of things, and that's kind of the the obvious places mm-hmm. to go, I think. Yeah, so absolutely. So if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, I can't, as an example, I, don't, I can't believe they didn't really touch on the bullet time stuff. To be honest, it looks great. Yeah. I kind of... Don't really care. There's heaps of other things that I find more interesting Ain't about it. We film. just touched on it. All we touched time. on them. There you go. And it, and it, does, it does still look fantastic. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to try and come at this from slightly different angles. Um, I can specifically remember where I saw this film. Do you remember Say, where
0: you saw oh, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I've told you before, this movie is probably, like, one of the five most important movies in my entire life. Like, I, you know, I'm, I, I act like a snob. Yeah. You know, I just spent $200 on the Wong Kar Wai Criterion box set and all of these, like, you know, foreign films and I, I watched Weimar German cinema. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, this is... Very, very, very important. It's, it, yeah, like I can, I can flicker my eyes like Trinity uploading a helicopter pilot program, and I <laughs> like watch this movie behind my eyelids. Like I yeah. know this beat for beat, <laughs> and it's you know when people talk about um, Star Wars and all that kind of being their comfort food, mm. this is that for me. It's a yeah. very, very important movie, and I remember this uh, the first time at George Street Cinema being like a. Tectonic experience Yes it, it shattered my perceptions It opened my brain up I was confused I was excited And it was I think maybe the first time In my movie watching life That I felt like I was watching something Truly new Yes Like I've, I don't know <laughs> What is happening Yeah And you know We've talked about before. We talked the last time About uh, in, Internal Sunshine About um, You know How good would it be To wipe your memory Of certain movies Yes Remember that time, that first time you watched it, that first 40 minutes where you were genuinely like, what the fuck is going on? Right. How did she just jump over that building? What's going on with the mirror? Why is his mouth sealing over? Like, what's happening? Yeah. it's Just incredible experience.
1: It really uh, felt like a summation of the zeitgeist of the 90s as well. It felt like, uh, in a way, we were building towards this movie when mm-hmm. you look at stuff like what David Lynch is doing in the the, the paranoia of the uh, untrusting world in Lost Highway. It's yeah. the X-Files and the... You know, who, you forget how important the X-Files was. Oh, yeah, a, a, a series that I would... Um, do you ever watch uh, old TV series or old movies that were fantastic mm. but just don't kind of work now and you, there's a part yeah. of you that's like, I would love to... Just make my own version, not necessarily of the exact yep. product, but yep. my own version of the product yep. and uh, update it. X-Files feels very much
0: like that. But uh, Yeah, I think we were definitely at an apex of, and, and I would say that... Um, in a very different way, but Simpsons and Seinfeld were kind of of that, yep. um, of that tone of unpicking authority, Yes. of, 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 of hyper-cynicism, yep. of looking at the, the, the order of the world and kind of going, ah, something's, it's, it's not cra- right. something's not right. It's yeah. all crazy. And yeah. our leaders seem to be morons. You know, yeah. No one really knows what they're doing.
1: Well, it's also, I was discussing this the other night with a friend and... Uh, it's interesting. So, hang on. How old is she? So she must be. What's what's before Generation X? Is that Millennial? No, or is before that Gen y? Or After
0: before uh, after Gen X. After uh, it's uh, Millennial. I think Millennial and Gen Y kind of match it. Mash I mean, up. I'm technically a Millennial, and uh, right. I look like I'm you know in my late forties. So there you go. That's hilarious. A friend of mine discovered. <laughs> my friend
1: uh, hates Millennials, and discovered that she's a Millennial, and it's uh, it, it was it was one of those things where. When I was told, <laughs> even though I knew she was really upset about it, I just had to say, "I can't tell you how delicious this yeah. is." <laughs> self-hating millennial. <laughs> um, so I think the older millennials are self-hating millennials. Yeah, right, yeah. right. That makes sense. But uh, look, I know I don't really care about the generations yeah. per se, but I do think the Gen X period was it was the, the first kind of era that I think didn't think that nuclear war was going to happen mm. and the idea of the threats to the future suddenly felt more e- existential and were more inward looking and therefore there was a, a an incubation period mm. which sends us into the new century yep. and i feel like this is this is the placenta of that new uh generation that were that we entered into mm. and the placenta was popped on
0: September 11, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent, and and you know this is this is also kind of um, it's pre a lot of the technology that it's positing, yeah, and so there was still a lot of hope connected to the internet yeah. to freeing your mind, yeah, you know, uh, and obviously we'll get into <laughs> different interpretations of um, of this and and how it might be a little bit. Um, Naive, mm. even. Um, but yeah, it, it was. It, we were definitely on... You know, it was 1999. Mm. Pre-September 11. Mm. It was, you know, fuck. The, the new is just around the corner. The Y2K bug
1: was yeah. looming. So, you yeah. know, there's a little bit of techno fear for us all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw this in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, I think... Uh, I don't know if it was during the Comedy Festival or if I was just over there doing gigs, so I can't, mm. you know. But uh, I saw it with Mickey D. <laughs> and Mickey and I were like, we like, we like Keanu Reeves, and yeah. that's we like the poster. I don't think we'd... I'm not even sure I'd seen a trailer. Mm. And uh, we went and we came out of it, and like we were just yep. both... Our skin was rippling mm-hmm, like yeah, mm-hmm. like when the helicopter hits the yep. the windows, you know. And yep. it was like, what just happened? Like, what just happened? Totally. I came along to see Keanu Reeves be cool, mm-hmm. and I got so much more.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as I say, it was it was the it was the feeling of seeing something genuinely new, and it was a time when a lot of the you know, the, the, the language of virtual reality and all that stuff wasn't in the zeitgeist. Yeah. And so there was a real sense of... I mean, it seems very straightforward now. I mean, I've, I've seen it probably 50 times, of yeah. course. Yeah. But, you know, um, like, I remember walking out just baffled. Like, I had a general idea of right. what had happened. But it was, you know, it was it was akin to reading the Invisibles for the first time, or something like that. Right. Where it's like, oh, you are feeding me ideas that I didn't even think to think. Yeah, like, it, it, you know, uh, we will get into the
1: Invisibles in a sec. Uh, I've got a question there for you, but uh, our first segment: Google me, Chuck. Mm-hmm. Top four responses when you Google the Matrix. First one: What is the meaning behind the Matrix? Mm-hmm. And the answer, mm-hmm. you know, there's only just a little answer is uh, Lily Wakowski saying. The Matrix stuff was all about the desire for transformation, but it was all coming from a closeted point of view. We had the character of Switch, who would be a man in the real world and then a woman in the Matrix, and that's where our headspaces were. Of course, that didn't make the final cut, but uh, that's an interesting... uh, Then, why the Matrix is the best movie ever? (laughs) What is the Matrix in real life? And is the Matrix suitable for a
0: 12-year-old? 100%.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Fuck yeah,
0: it is. Yeah. Fuck yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like... But I reckon... I, my issue with people saying... Uh, like," By the way, I actually don't think that's a bad question to no. Google. But I think everything is suitable for everyone. But we, we hand over the responsibility uh, to other people instead mm. of sitting there like... Mum would watch really complicated films with mm. me and would explain things to me. Same. And, yeah. you know, like, like you know, the only time that it ever really genuinely was too much is in sex scenes, and that's just because you're sitting next to your mum. But yeah. I feel like that at 49. <laughs> so, you know.
0: Yeah, no, I was the same. I, you know, I'm, you know, saw a lot of movies that would be deemed... You know, I saw The Crying Game when I was 12. Mm. Um and it's explained. It's fine. It's you know, fine. I remember reading an interview with Tommy Lee Jones where he talked about his taking his kid to see R-rated movies and yeah. the R classification is very different in yes. America. You know, <laughs> the, the, the best example of that is the <clears throat> R-rated version of, um, of uh, Die Hard 4 is uh, Bruce Willis just before he blows someone's brains out going, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, bang. Uh, and the reason it's R is because he says, fuck, but in the lesser version the m-rated version that children can see they bleep the word fuck with the sound of the gunshot that blows a guy's brains out right you know that kind of sums it all up right yeah yeah (laughs) oh man man we can't
1: we can't have an erection on the big screen like that's really offensive but we're gonna have someone's brains turning into a jackson pollock on the wall yippee-ki-yay
0: mother oh Oh, take the kids
1: Uh, (laughs) thank goodness little tommy didn't hear fuck
0: it's like what a twisted culture they oh, are. Man. But um Tommy Lee Jones talked about, uh, you know, and the interviewer was saying, like, oh, don't do you think it's appropriate to, do you think it's inappropriate to take your child to see an R-rated movie? And he's like, no, I think it's inappropriate to take my child to see a bad movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You know, like he does not like he does not come across as someone
0: that I would like to hang out with. But that is a Tommy great. Tommy Lee, I would love to hang out, hang out on, with Tommy to, Lee, Tommy, the Tommy, actor. No, no, yeah, the actor, Tommy Lee Jones, not Tommy Lee Pam Anderson. Yeah, Madison, no, that's X. what I thought. No, I, I like I, I like that grizzled, no bullshit. Yeah, I think he'd be great to do whiskey shots with.
1: Maybe I think you would have to meet him in a way huh. where. You'd have to meet him on a level playing field.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think he would suffer fandom or fools.
1: Yeah, but it would also Yeah, but you need but you need to be introduced in a situation where you don't have to prove that you're not a fool. Do you know totally. what I mean? Totally. And that's what I when I push back at the idea of it'd be fun to hang out with him, you would I feel like it would have to be the perfect chemical composition that created life would have to be replicated to create a good time with Tommy Lee Jones. Same with Gene Hackman. Uh, oh, you know, Jane, like Gene more so than Tommy. Oh, man, I was listening to a podcast uh, last week about all the things he was doing on the set of the movie Hoosiers, which yeah. is a great movie. Yeah. And all the direct quotes mm. where the director was like, you know, I met up with him. He was lovely. He was fantastic. And then
0: he made my life a hell mm. on set. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know. Certain, I, I think uh, Nick Cave would be the same. Ooh. I think the the, the 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 situation would have to be right, but I feel like there's a certain type of grizzled celebrity male that if you made them laugh in the first ten seconds, you'd be fine.
1: Yes, <laughs> but you would have to be in a situation where you could yeah. make him laugh. Well, that was like I was at a big day out after party, and I was standing right next to Mike Patton, yeah. and I love Mike Patton. Yeah. But I've I've heard I've heard conflicting stories from people who have met him. Mm people who have said he was so awful but I've also met people who said oh he was fantastic Mm -hmm. like he was joking and all of that and and I looked at him and I went I don't reckon this is the right environment Mm -hmm. and I chose not to meet him Mm -hmm. because I'd just rather listen to his music and not have that awful experience
0: hanging over me oh I've had the experience of a couple of my favourite comedians comedy ruined by hanging out with said comedians oh man (laughs) American comedians oh right sorry I thought you were talking about Will okay it's um no
1: it's okay he doesn't listen to the podcast (laughs) uh Segment first context These are some of the sci-fi movies That came out before and after 1996 Independence Day uh, yeah. 1997 Men in Black yeah.
0: 1998 Armageddon Bro I watched that for the first time Three days ago Armageddon It is punishing It is a punishing fucking dirge, that movie. Right. I have no, like, sentimentality attached to it. It's literally two and a half hours of technology malfunctioning and people screaming. It's just awful. Yeah. Awful. Anyway... Roger I, Ebert's review of that is one of the funniest things I've ever right. read. It's an assault to the senses, to the sense of logic, to yeah. the eyes, to the ears, and to the human need to be entertained. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I genuinely haven't
1: seen Armageddon in 23 years. Don't. I saw it when it first came out. I feel like...
0: Leave it in the memory.
1: I reckon I went with a couple of mates and we had a good time. Yeah. I, I, I think it to... might have been a blockbuster with your mates. Yeah, definitely. Laughing kind definitely. of, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, having yeah. a good time movie. Yeah, it's too much um, for me. So then, uh, ninety nine is when uh, uh, the Matrix comes out, and then you know, then two thousand you suddenly you get Unbreakable. Two thousand one you get Donnie Darko. Two thousand two I know you're not a, a massive fan of it, but Minority Report. Mm-hmm, you know they're mm-hmm, all suddenly mm-hmm. going in that direction. The segment, the year that was. These are the movies that came out that year. Just an 99's example. a great year. Well, it's interesting. It's by se- bicentennial man. Mm-hmm. Uh, existence. Oh yeah, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and Muppets from Space. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When I said ninety nine is a great year, no, 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 but ninety nine, ninety nine is a great year for great film. Year for film. For film. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, but um, we're just looking at the sci fi yeah, yeah, yeah. films there. Yeah. But you know, that's um, what's that? That's Fight Club. Fight
0: Club. Memento. Yeah. Uh, no, Memento's two thousand. Oh, I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, as I recall, I mean, you look up nineteen ninety nine. It's a good year.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, I wonder if it is actually uh, the best. Uh, Magnolia. It is a... Uh, I was... Uh, you know, I'm while I'm just looking this up, mm. I'm so surprised at how many people have no idea who Paul Thomas Anderson is. It's crazy, right? So here's some of the films that came out in... These are the top grossing films of 99. Oh. All right. Where do you think The Matrix comes in?
0: Oh, it must be high, right? Well, it's definitely in the top ten. Okay. Mm. Phantom Menace would be one. Correct. Is it top five, Matrix? Yes. Okay, number four. Correct. Yeah. So it goes Phantom
1: Menace, number one. Yeah. Then it goes The Sixth Sense. Oh, that's good, yeah. Toy Story 2. Yeah. The Matrix. Yeah. Tarzan, n- never the seen The Disney it. Tarzan. Yep.
0: Yeah. Phil Collins did the soundtrack for that. Oh, well, Rough that makes it. stuff.
1: Oh, really? I'm surprised. Uh, the <laughs> The Mummy. Oh, yeah. Not bad. Uh, that, that's a fun film. Yeah. Yeah. Notting Hill. Uh, Notting Hill's all right. Yeah. Back it, when rom-coms were blockbusters. My God. Uh, you, like, I was, you know, I was trying to say to someone the other day, you just can't even get a rom-com made anymore. Remember when rom-coms were like big like, business? Go to. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, I like My a good rom-com. My Best Friend's Wedding. Runaway yeah. Bride, like when Harry met Sally, like uh, they're all you know they're good films. Uh, the World Is Not Enough, American Beauty, coming in at number ten. American Beauty, yeah. Some of our friends would be very happy about this. Austin Powers, the Spy Who Shagged <laughs> Me, number ten. Uh, <laughs> How crazy is that? Uh, other films are, as you said, Magnolia, uh, The Green Mile Magnolia. came out that oh, year. Green was good. Uh, what else? Um, anyway, lots of um,
0: lots of really. Good films. Remember in 1999 when you would actually have a at least kind of diverse top ten and not just Pixar, Disney, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Marvel, Pixar, Disney.
1: Oh man, like it is, you know. Uh, Fight Club, of course. Yeah, it's
0: it's a it's it's that was a big annoying. year for me because Fight Club was a huge movie for me at that time as well. Yeah, that was another one where I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" Right.
1: Right, yeah, that yeah. was a
0: big year for me, and well, Mag- and Magnolia was a really big deal for me as well. That year, well,
1: you know what was funny was it felt like there was a there was a weird divide amongst my friendships mm. uh, groups uh, between whether you were a, a sixth sense guy mm. or a Fight Club guy. You could be both. No, or I did, know you. Did, can they, be did both. they say because of the
0: end? The ends
1: are well. I guess because they were both movies with twists. significant twists, but they yeah. were significant at the time. And oh, Sixth
0: Sense was fucking great, yeah. man.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, like I like both, but you know, like I definitely lent into the Fight Club yeah. part. You know, one of the things about Fight Club that uh, we, you know, be fun to look into is it kind of gets a bit of a bad rap now, where it's kind of discussed as being a kind of of its time and a little bit out of date, and it's like, I think. I think a lot of people missed that it was a satire. That you're not meant to be. Yeah, it's you're not meant to be going. People are setting up fight clubs.
0: Yeah, like it's. It's one of those films that, unfortunately, it's uh, uh, there's there's a contingent of the fan base that uh, give it a bad name. I think. yes, yeah, yeah. Like, yes, I remember because I saw. Oh. A, I saw Fight Club seven times at the cinema. I was yeah. upset. And it was more just the visuals of it. It yeah. was like, whoa, this is like crazy. Well, you never kind of... Oh, well, I had not never really seen CGI no. used for mundane yeah, things. Yeah, absolutely. It was just yeah. uh, uh, incredible. So I kept, I kept going to the cinema to watch, and t- taking new friends to see it. Um, but everyone forgets that movie was a failure. A massive failure. No one saw it. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to TAFE the next year. And I, would, I was talking about Fight Club, and I was like, oh, I haven't seen that movie. And then, s- seemingly overnight, everyone saw Fight Club, and all of a sudden, there were these fucking meatheads, like, well, how fucking fucking net part Fight Club where he caged Jared Leto's head in, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, I don't like Fight Club anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm very much a big believer in, if, if you really love something, don't talk to many people about it.
0: <laughs> You're a big believer in
1: that? Come on. Well, I talk, like... Well, you know what I'm not doing is getting online going, That's hey, true. everyone, what do you think about tennis? Yeah. So I can have a lot of dumb assholes going, this movie didn't make sense, and then I'm having to write back to them. Now let you. me just explain it to you, you know? Yeah. No, I have you, and I let people listen to it. And then I ignore anyone's comments that fucking make me angry. So, yes... I don't talk about things oh, I love to I... many people. <laughs> My favourite uh quote about um, – uh, have you heard the story about it, – it, I think it aired at um, Cairns or something like that, and Brad Pitt and uh, – uh, uh, what's his name? Edward Norton mm. got – horribly stoned. Mm-hmm. They got really high and watched yep. it and, yep. and the movie got booed <laughs> and uh, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt turned around and that uh, while well, they were super high and said, we will probably never make a better movie than this. Yeah. <laughs> <And> he, <laughs> Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> now that's someone I'd like to meet.
0: Yeah. He'd be fun. His interview with Mark Maron is fucking great. You get a real sense of the kind of guy that he is. Because the the recording's going for a couple of minutes before they officially sit down. Right. And you just hear him walk in. He's like, hey, Mark Maron, dude. Right, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you're
1: a sweetheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geez, <laughs> I would, Someone... Oh, uh, Garth, who does the, the Parsi Amel yeah, uh, yeah. segment on this podcast, sent me the link for Mark Maron with George Clooney, and I said, can you get me a link that just has the Clooney parts? <laughs> One of the things you I've know noticed... That reference
0: I made before about not meeting certain people that you admire? Mm. Anyway. Yeah.
1: Moving on. Join the dots, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed with us re-watching some of these classics mm. is that I have often forgotten the minutiae of what makes it a great movie. Yes. And uh, like, it's like you remember the broad strokes. That happened with E.T. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. all the broad strokes. Then you're watching, and it's all the tiny detail. Yeah. Uh, I had completely... I'd completely forgotten how cool... Like, I knew she was cool, but how cool Trinity oh, is. Yeah. And uh, my hot take is that carrie Ann Moss is a secret sauce that makes these movies shine. I, that yeah.
0: opening with her is... Like, I'd forgotten that it's her. Oh, talk about a fucking character introduction. And before... You know, because you get that great visual of her and how cool she is as this, you know, group of policemen burst in. Yeah. But then it's augmented with, um, you know... I've sent two units. I think we can handle one little girl. Yes, yes. No, Commissioner, your men are already dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you forget all of
1: that kind of... Like, this movie is... I think one of the things that the movies subsequently kind of lose is that innate
0: coolness. And then it's like... I think they kind of try to chase it a little bit in
1: the second and the third.
0: They try to chase it, and also they show you too much. Like... The, the the coolness of this movie is... I mean, you, obviously, you see a lot, but uh, seeing too much of the mechanics of the world, yes. I think uh, yes. you need that sense of mystery. I, you know, I, 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 like... And obviously, we'll get to two and three, but really, I think what um, propels this movie forward is that sense of... The viewer kind of being out of their depth of like yes. what is happening. Like even when you know what's happening on the fifth, six, ten, three watch. No, no, no. You know, yeah, it, it's still. I mean, you know, that first forty minutes is really just this building, these layers. Yeah, you know, like uh, you, we get the Carrie Ann Moss sequence. You know, then she fucking disappears down a phone line. What right. the fuck just happened there? Right. Who are these three guys? Yes. You know, how is this guy controlling reality over the phone? Right. Uh, Morpheus. You know, all of it. Um. The, the, you know then. The, the, the interrogation scene there's so many things happening that are you know you really are put in the place of neo yes or like thomas anderson uh, in the first 40 minutes right of like you know my reality is kind of collapsing around me and i don't have a logical yeah. explanation for what is happening
1: you know what's uh like a really underrated scene mm. which of course you don't remember because it's like, why would you remember this scene? Mm. But I'd completely forgotten that he gets scared when he has to do the simple thing outside of the building yeah. to escape, and yeah. just instead acquiesces and, and is kidnapped. And it's that's the second and third films miss those things that ground it in our reality, so we can we understand the stakes. But by the time you get to the second, and by the time you get to <laughs> like whatever's happening in the third, <laughs> I still had a good time watching yeah. it. But you know, it's like now. Now this may as well be Avatar,
0: you know, yeah. like it's just too far removed. There's no feel even even in the second and third movie when things are getting fucking crazy. There's never a moment where you truly feel like anyone's out of their depth.
1: No, yeah, and,
0: yeah, and, and, yeah. and that includes in the third movie when people are, you know, that that dumb fifteen year old's in a giant mechanical suit. You know, yeah, he's gurning and carrying on like he is out of his depth, but ultimately, the situation by then is so insane. Mm. You don't feel like he's truly... As insane as that situation is and as scary as it is, there's 5,000 robots flying at him, there's bullets, there's fires and explosions. None of it ever feels as scary as Thomas Anderson being on the side of that building when he drops his phone. Absolutely. Because he's just some guy. Yeah. He's a dude. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Some yeah. guys delete him a phone. The phone's rung. Somehow the guy can see like like it's a ant. exactly where people are going to turn, what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's that great kind of, you know, I mean, to use the appropriate metaphor of the movie, that Alice in Wonderland sense of, you are kind of very much merged with that lead character in the confusion of, uh, uh, (laughs) like, and, and because we've opened the film with something unbelievable happening in the first two minutes, we really are off kilter in the sense of like, well, at this point, anything could happen. Yes. And and the fact that it's voiced by characters, you know, it's it's not just that we as the viewer are seeing something impossible happen. You have that cop verbally say yeah. that's impossible. Yeah. So we are like these. We are breaking the laws of the universe. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. It's fucking great, man. Yeah,
1: it's so good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I know. I had a really good time. It's so good. And I re- I rewatched this. I think maybe in first lockdown, yeah. and uh, and then rewatching it for this, is was like. <sighs> But why am I not
0: watching this once a year? Oh yeah, and it's, it's the only movie that is basically an exposition machine for the most of it. Mm. You know, most of Keanu's dialogue through this movie is "squid, what's that? Yeah, what's this? What's that?" But it, you know, it, but it. For me, it never feels laboured because you need to be guided through what's happening. Yeah,
1: and also he's asking the questions that we're asking. Yeah. It's, it's. It, I, I feel like that kind of stuff is worse when, you, you know, it's. Um, Oh, I wasn't
0: asking that. Like, I understood what was going on. Absolutely. And also, they are appropriate questions for the situation he's in. Yeah. He's, his rea- he's been wrenched out of his reality. Of course, yeah. he has to go, wait, what's that thing? I, yeah. I've never seen that thing before.
1: Yeah, I had a I had a moment where I thought I didn't have a mouth. What is happening here? <laughs> Terrifying Holy scene. shit, that thing's real! Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had a question here for you, but I think uh, I'll have to kind of reword it a little bit mm. for you because I have a feeling, unlike me, you... Hadn't read The Invisibles when you saw The no, Matrix. I have not.
0: Ah, no. okay. So. I'd attempted The Invisibles before I saw The Matrix, but it was impenetrable to me. Right. Okay. I was too young, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like Maybe 15. Pro- and rem- like, I spent a year of my life reading nothing but The Invisibles once I finally got yes. all the volumes. Yep. I just read it and reread it and reread yeah. it. And then I would take notes on shit that I didn't understand and go to the internet and like, well, yeah. who's this God? What's that thing? Yeah, You know, like that text cracked my head open in a way to new ideas and new modes of thought that was so alien to me that it required a year of nothing but yeah. that. So, so to try and read it at 15, you know, it was not... It was never going to stick.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, I, uh, I went... You know, general comic collecting to Watchmen, Swamp Thing, uh, Dark Knight Returns, all Mm. within a small period Mm. of time, Mm. which that was like, oh, my God, my brains are dribbling out of my ears. And then it was uh, Sandman. Yep. And then I picked up Animal Man and Doom Patrol. Uh, So you were
0: completely ushered into that.
1: Yeah, so by the time I got to the Invisibles yeah. I was already becoming a fan of like I was already a fan yeah. of Morrison and then yeah. it was like, Oh well I'll pick this up Yeah and then was like what is happening here? So my my question had been, when in the film did you make the connection between the two works? Which you can still answer I guess, but um for me it was uh when I first looked at Trinity, even though they don't quite look alike I had a ragged Robin moment okay. where there was just something about uh, maybe around volume two mm. when she when they when Wearing she the fetish gear yeah yeah so uh, but um, it was the liquid mirror that yeah. I was like holy this is yeah. this is the invisibles mm. um, Morpheus being captured felt similar to King Mob's yeah. uh, capture in the first volume but um, by the way, a quick catch up for people who haven't read the comic, The Invisibles follows a team who work for a secret organization <laughs> battling against uh, interdimensional alien gods who have already enslaved most of the human race without their knowledge. So that's the, yeah that's that. <laughs> that's the that's yeah. the most basic yeah. that explanation took me ages oh, but dude. yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so funny over the years whenever I've given The Invisible to someone to to read and they're like what's it about and I'm like ah uh. Uh, I don't know spies fighting yeah. demons I don't uh, know like, just read it cuz it's about that's kind of what it's about <laughs> It's about everything <laughs> yeah, and everything all at once
1: Yeah Yeah. Uh and of course there's there's quite clearly other influences on this movie Ghost in the Shell William Gibson's Neuromancer Uh I I don't know if the movie Dark City had uh, a movie influence because that came out in 98 but they used a lot of the sets so I guess it has a physical because they were both filmed at Fox Studios so maybe it's influences more aesthetically in what was used Uh, and uh, a mate of mine who's a Big kung fu fan, etc. said, "There's a lot of um, fist of legend with Jet Li. Uh, I don't, I yeah. don't know that genre. Well, they that they well. got a lot
0: of the, 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 uh, Ping, some uh, uh, someone Ping. Uh, he's the wire, yes. wire master. Yeah, um, yeah. That they got yeah. And then obviously, there's a lot of anime and manga yeah. and everything. Like I know that Grant is very. To be honest, I never um, drew the Invisibles comparison until I read Grant talk about it. Mm. Uh, and." I don't know. There's that part of me that's like, I'm sure it was. I, I, like I've heard that the Invisibles was being read on set, yeah. Uh, and so I'm sure it was a was a um, an influence. I don't know if Grant's being a little bit hyperbolic when he's like, "Well, you could storyboard the entire Matrix with panels from the Invisibles. It's it's exactly ripped off the Invisibles. It's like, uh, has it?
1: Not exactly, but the influence is like, I was sitting in the movie watching it mm. going like i was feeling a bit overwhelmed it was like when i watched
0: a great feeling
1: oh yeah i know i was just like what is happening it was um you know it was like watching well before lindelof made watchmen Mm. watching lost and going this has got a watchmen feel at certain Mm -hmm. points with certain Mm -hmm. characters Mm -hmm. and then you know then finding that out or um so yeah it was uh, it was a Great experience to be sitting mm. there and like, and you know, this is of course back when you know reading comics meant you were a weirdo. So oh, totally. there was hard, there was no one to talk to about yeah, it. Yeah. I, ex, you know, I explained it to Mickey, and like, thankfully, Mickey was happy to hear about it. But <laughs> it was like, Jesus! It's, um All right, Keanu, Pitch Perfect. Oh. What, what is it about him? Like, like he's just—he's so soulful. He's so he's soulful a beautiful man. Yeah, he is, and it, it comes through, in like every line doesn't it yeah. yeah 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 i know people kind of um you know it's, it's easy to denigrate uh, keanu and uh yeah. like you know there was a period where i feel like this pendulum has swung the other way and oh. everyone's been reminded thank you thank you john wick but yeah, i think yeah it's Wick. but um you know he th- there's just an em- he has an empathy that other actors don't have especially in action
0: roles totally I think what I think the the the, the tide that turned on him maybe in the 90s was when he was probably doing roles that were inappropriate like when he shows up in Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula he's not great now it's it's abysmal yeah he's doing a weird English accent that is very ropey and he's not like in those kind of roles, not a great actor. No, 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 no. It's out of his. Uh, it's out of his. It's length. out of his range. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's when people were like, uh, you know, what the fuck? Why is the? Why is is he Bill or Ted, whichever one he is? Uh, why is that guy doing yeah. these serious roles? But um, yeah, no, the, pendulum, the pendulum swung completely. Everyone, yeah. And I think you know, the more that the more that comes out about just him as a human being. Uh, you know, every interview he just seems like the sweetest guy on earth.
1: It's it's up there with watching mm. uh, NBA players be nice to kids. Mm. It's yeah. just Google uh, Keanu Reeves nice, and then yeah, he's going, so oh well, that. that's the next three hours done. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll do this. Like um, I think I saw something from Carrie Ann Moss where like on the set of maybe The Matrix or something yeah. where he was and she was saying he was tired. He was putting in all this effort. He's yeah. doing all this stuff, and she. I think she had a teenage son or something at the time or something like that. Or maybe it was after. But anyway, she just sent a text saying, uh, are there any movies that you recommend? And he just sent through this long list explaining why he thought this movie would be perfect and he'd taken the time out to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you see those, you know, when people secretly film him on subways where he's standing up. So women can sit down yeah, and you yeah. go stop it stop it whatever you want to do I'm, I'm ready to but go but he does
0: it in a he does it in a non-performative way yeah that's what I like yes. you know and I'm not saying that who's Captain America Chris Evans yes I'm not saying he's not a nice guy I, I, I'm not at all but you know when the internet started losing their fucking minds over oh look Betty White made it onto walked on stage and Chris Evans leapt up to you know help her up and all that it's like I'm not saying that's not nice but I mean I guess it's more reflective of the society we live in that a, that a guy helping a hundred year old up some stairs is suddenly a cause for celebration right. of like whoa what a, I, but like, it, it, it's I think a, he just did the right thing he just did the right thing he was yeah. just a dude doing the right thing in that moment but you know it was, it was also in a very public way and that's not to denigrate what he did but I think when you hear about Keanu being a nice guy it is what you just said it's on the subway it's on yeah. this very anonymous kind of yeah you know like there's no um sense of i'm a celebrity doing a nice thing yeah. performativity to it yeah neo's
1: desire to meet up with morpheus is a, a bit of a foreshadowing of the mystical side that comes into the story why does he want to find him again is it because he's just heard rumors about morpheus or what,
0: what's the what's the- there's no great backstory. It's about you, no. you get a little bit of um, exposition with just the kind of montage that's on his computer. Yes. Uh, but obviously, he doesn't buy the narrative that the media or whatever the establishment has about Morpheus, because yes. it's from the outset they're calling him a terrorist yes. and all the rest. He. You know, I mean, clearly, Neo, for, for all of his um, kind of being trapped in life and everything, he has a like huge anti authoritarian streak. Yes. He's a hacker. Yeah. Um, you know, also, I think this was a time when hackers were um, <laughs> not just little fucking 14 year old gronks in their basement. Yeah. Uh, or there was an idea of them as, as, as being kind of uh, tearing down the establishment and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's just that he, you know, you can assume as he knows Trinity from hacking the FBI, he knows like Morpheus has pulled off some great fucking cool hack. Yeah. And he respects him for that. You know, I, I just imagine that in the hacking community, Morpheus is like, you know, Banksy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I just, you know, whatever he did. Yeah. you know. He, but do we know what he did? No. No, we don't know. No. All right. Okay.
1: It was one of those things where, considering it's like the second time in a year, I was still like, oh, I'm
0: still not quite certain no. about Unless it. Unless uh, there's the- some little fine print on those articles. Yeah. On, but no, it's never, it's never overtly stated. Which, again, I think, you know, again, what the second and third films forget about what's so great about the first is you kind of, like, the air of mystery is much more delicious yeah you know that he's 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 almost like a mythological figure Morpheus
1: yes yes you know the the scene that stands out really early in and which also points out is anti-authoritarian streak is when he's getting the dressing down for his tardy behavior so you in that moment you learn oh he's late all the time so he must be staying up late doing his
0: thing sleeping in all the time but it's the
1: the specific noise of the cleaning the windows. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, so funny. And the, the streaks are resembling the the Matrix guy. Yeah, it looks so uh, good. But again, it's you know, it's all just um, peppered in there. You know that, that he is that he has this lifestyle, and it's done so economically. It's done within less than five minutes. Even yeah, that throwaway yeah. line that that guy has when he opens the door. Whoa, you look paler than usual. Yes. You know, that tells you everything in in four or five words. You know, everything about this guy. Yeah. All this guy does is sit inside on a computer back in a time when sitting inside all day on your computer was weird. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking what everyone does all the time. Right.
1: (sighs) Yeah. No, it's true. It it was, uh, it was all, you're completely correct. It's that word economy that really Mm. gets you to each point. Mm. And uh, yeah, like his vitamin D levels
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/slash people today. Ah, uh,
1: fucking non-existent. That <laughs> yes. guy's like taking six supplements yeah. uh, a day, I reckon. Um, but, uh, and you know, it's funny. Like, now we just kind of accept not finding authority figures trustworthy, but back then it was still, yeah. still seems um, like you were, ah, come on, mate,
0: what, what, what are you doing? You don't have yeah, to, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. there was still a bit of pushback. Well, again, it was pre, it was pre nine eleven. It was, um, and also I think, you know, the, the anti-establishment, there was more of a utopian kind of um, ideal attached to tear, tear the system down yeah. and we'll replace it with love. I mean, it's, it's very much the naivete of the... Of you know flower power in the 60s and everything you know we all saw that you know yeah cool you can drop heaps of acid and smoke heaps of weed and dance naked at a a rock festival but what are you actually going to replace the thing that you yeah like this turns toxic as well yeah you know um and i and i think that was you know we we talk about morrison he talks about the punk and hippie cycles yeah Yeah. um and i think that anti-establishment thing uh in the late 90s you know tear the system down now this tear the system down rhetoric it's like cool but what are you replacing with nihilism because that's really all you've got to sell is yeah. like fuck everyone fuck, fuck you well, fuck don't tell me what to do it's like yeah. yeah cool I don't like being told what to do either yeah. but unless you've got some kind of viable alternative you know it's yeah. like when you, whenever I talk to I don't talk to them very much anymore but 10 years ago when I was talking to like anarchists and the like you know and like we should abolish all laws and it's like well then you've got a lot more faith in fucking people than I do yeah. Because you know what happens when you abolish all laws? It's going to be carnage. Yeah. Like, don't fuck it. You know, maybe in a million years when we've evolved some layer above our fucking cerebral cortex that makes us superhumans that don't need structures to act like decent human beings, great. But on mass, we're all insane. So maybe we need some structure.
1: What's the dumbest thing you would do if there were no laws? Not not anything awful. Like Like, I'm not... What's the dumbest thing? Because I'll give you an example. Give me an example. I will. I would just grab rocks and smash windows because it would be really entertaining for me. I'd make I'd, I'd make sure it was businesses that were closed or whatever, but I'd just enjoy throwing some rocks at some windows and watching them smash and going, "Nice Yay. one." Yeah. But would the same thrill be there if there was no risk of being punished? No, no, no. It's I would just like to hold a rock, feel it in my hand, feel the contours of it, work out the way that I want my fingers around it, and then I'd pick a nice window and then it would be you know, like I'm 49, maybe I wouldn't get it on the first go, so I'd have to have a few rocks, and then the satisfaction. It'd be, you know, I'm replacing shooting hoops with smashing windows.
0: A friend of mine from another life, uh, he uh, he was on magic mushrooms uh, one day, walking through the CBD, and he was oh, he was in a in bushlands, you know merging with nature, feeling one with the universe and everything. And then he ca- he's had to get home by walking through the CBD and all of a sudden was consumed with, you know, the horror of the city and, and oh, urbanization yeah, and uh, corporations and everything. And he picked up a brick and pegged it through the window of a bank. And, it's- <laughs> and then got immediately consumed with such a profound guilt that he called the police, reported himself and sat in the gutter till they arrived. Right. Wow. And then when they arrived, he was like, "I'm really sorry. I'm like I'm tripping on mushrooms. I just got really upset." And like, "I'll pay for the window." And what happened? <laughs> they took him in the paddy wagon to the police station. And they love him yeah, you know, whatever, he paid a fine or whatever. I can't so really, good. He didn't go to jail or anything but So good. <laughs> well, good on him because
1: uh, you know what he did? He gave those police people <laughs> Off, a story totally, for a few weeks. Totally. Oh, right, did you hear about Damien and Greg? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mates of mine, who are also cops. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of body horror in this movie, yeah, from yeah. Neo's mouth fusing shut to being injected with a robotic bug, waking up in those pods. Uh, oh, to say nothing of the... In the back uh, of your oh, head. the back of their head. That kind of gets a little bit lost as well. Oh. It's like, you know, all of that is so visceral isn't it and mm. it it does make your skin crawl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the the pods look you know it's not just waking up in those pods
0: uh, the,
1: the, the the texture the of that goo it just
0: kind of looks dirty disgusting yeah the, the matrix uh, I was at mum's one night flicking through channels and the matrix and mum hates science fiction so much like come on and like making fun of her like let's watch them you'll love the matrix yeah. <laughs> knowing full well she'll fucking hate it she's like nah 10 enough 10 off. and then it just happened to be the pod scene and she started dry reaching with yes. that on the screen yes. she's like get it off that is I hate it yes. get it off yes without any context as well <laughs> like, <what>? yeah <laughs> If, and how, and how, and like, I don't know if you noticed, but he's obviously wearing prosthetics on his chest because his skin's all wrinkled. Yeah, he yeah. looks like the, um, the, the, the guy from, um, uh, Pan's Labyrinth with eyeballs in his oh, yes. hands. Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the skin's like melting wax coming yeah, off yeah. his bones.
1: Or, uh, Del Toro's, um, auntie. Shape of Order.
0: Yeah. That's how I remember it, uh, meaning I liked it. Um, oh, you like it? See, I don't like that movie. Pan's Labyrinth? I don't like it. Oh. I think it's a hateful movie. But anyway, uh, that's, I'd that's have a to watch fucking it again. That's a hot take. That's an unpopular take.
1: Uh, I'd have to re-watch it again. I saw it with a friend, and uh, the, uh, I've only ever seen it once, actually. I saw it at the cinema when I, uh, when I was reviewing stuff, and I enjoyed it at the cinema, and I, like, to be honest, the, the thing that I really remember is the... It, and it was great. It was the packed audiences' uh, reaction to the knife being put in the mouth. Oh, the
0: slitting of the yeah yeah. yeah, yeah of course. And
1: it was, it was, it was a really fun audience uh. experience. But it but it, but it was the but it doesn't happen immediately. Mm. So it was collectively hearing everyone suck in air <laughs> like it, when every there were all these different noises and you could feel everyone just going uh. like. Individually, nobody took in what anyone else was experiencing, but everyone experienced the same thing, so that was a fun <laughs> thing. Uh, the Those scenes bring up uh, lots of uh, awful kind of gross memories that relate back to my childhood a mm-hmm. little bit. So uh, I, I don't know where I saw this. I don't know if it was on TV or a movie or whatever, but... I have a vivid uh, memory of a uh, a tarantula crawling up someone's chest going towards their mouth. Mm. Um, But it's funny, I can't remember what it was with that, but that vague uneasiness and fear has stayed with me to such an extent that even now, as nominally a grown-up, I can't sleep even in heat Mm. with my feet uncovered. Really? Yeah. I, I've got to have a little... Even if I've got nothing over the rest of me, yeah. I've got to have Just my in case feet covered. Just some
0: little uh, tarantula comes along. And Just comes up. Like, like
1: <laughs> for some reason, it could walk
0: over my feet and go straight up my yeah, yeah, shitter. Yeah. But it's like... Do you know what I mean? But it's yeah, still, yeah, if yeah. I have my feet covered, I'm safe. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, I feel like if I'd seen the, uh, the the pod birthing sequence as a child, I would have been fucked up for life. Oh, yeah. It's really... It's a lot. And, you know, of course, that horrific... I mean, the whole thing is horrific. Yeah. Because even though, you know, I still remember the first time seeing it, utterly confused. Yeah. But that moment where he peers over the side and you see these towers of human beings. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, you innately understand what the fuck's happening. Yeah. It's very bad. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: it's uh it's interesting as well how how many it's funny isn't it i i'd uh, once again something i'd forgotten was you don't quite know how many years passed when the matrix like the the actual matrix is set you know how yeah. they talk about 99 was kind of like the perfect year yeah, for us yeah, yeah. but you know even morpheus says it like could be 200 years later yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. who knows yeah um the, uh, the, all the leather bondage scenes are uh, interesting to me and uh, that all, that alternative lifestyle. Uh, I kind of went into that world a little bit, you know, very much on a small scale, especially living in Adelaide and everything. Um, I was always fascinated by it, but I never could buy into it. No. Not because of, like, not denigrating it or no. anything like that, but I'm just way too self-aware totally you know like <laughs> it's like there's there's a there's a young guy that works at uh the chase mm. who he wears a dress you know mm. I, i'm not even like he's he's definitely a man mm. i don't know how he identifies mm. uh, long hair wears silky shirts and, and uh, with his chest out mm. you know he looks great yeah. and I really admire it And yeah. but I could never do that because he, even when I was his age, yeah. I'd always feel a bit, eh, look at me. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I'm, too, yeah. I'm too self-conscious. Yeah. I'm too self-aware. And so I kind of look at these worlds and there's a part of me that uh, laments that I was always too hyper across who I was yeah no
0: I I completely relate to that also I mean for for me with dressing in certain ways you know I've always been you know I've always been on the tubby side uh, and so the idea of I never wanted to be one of those people that is Dressing inappropriate for their body shape, right? Uh, yes, yes. You know, and yes. I, so I, you know, I wonder how much of it is a, 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 a being too self aware or, or, or feeling like you're performing and just kind of going, no, that's actually not an appropriate look for me. Yeah, uh, you know, I used to know a, a quite large guy who would just wear you know skin tight t shirts and and by all means, go for it. if that's your genuine yes. comfort zone, yes. fucking have at it. Yes, he never looked comfortable to me. He always no. looked like he was trying to. Wear a glove that didn't quite fit, and for me, it was like maybe that's where the self awareness comes in. Where it's like I've already got enough body shame when I'm wearing a baggy fucking collared shirt and you know pants. Like yeah. I don't need to feel more self conscious. Um, and with the leather fetish stuff, I mean that's so outside my realm, you know. And I and I think to go into that world there needs to be an element of theatricality that you are comfortable playing in Uh, a a friend of mine um, used to be in the fetish scene uh, and (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where this is going but I'm enjoying it already (laughs) uh, he used to wear a uh, skin tight leather priest's uniform uniform whatever it's called like with the white collar and shit but it was made of like latex and his name was (laughs) his name was Father Fastidious Father Fastidious, that's great. (laughs) And he would go, you know, and he'd be part of, like, you know, fucking whipping circles and all that. But, you know, that was completely him. Yeah, yeah. and And he wasn't, like, some beefcake. Like, he was, you know, quite a slight guy. But I think just his kind of ownership of the... Playing this role, or he yeah. could allow himself to get lost in the. Ro- it, it's just different things to different people. I mean, people look yeah. at stand-up and they're like, "I could never do that." And yeah. that's a form of playing a character. Like, yeah. sure, you get up on stage and you're yourself, but you also get up with with a swagger that you might not have in your day to day life. Oh, whatever it is, it's not all
1: of you. It's a facet of you. Yeah, and, you know. But it's it, it's funny. You like, how, you know you, you you look at like. Um, like say the the beginning of glam rock, you know, yeah. and you're looking at Mark Boland and you're looking at Bowie, and you know you're looking at them in makeup, and you go, man, like you guys look beautiful yeah. and otherworldly, and yeah. you look amazing. And I always kind of looked and thought, oh, you know, in the '80s, you know, I could have been in that kind of alternative new romantics kind of scene, but there is a distinct, like, I would feel I'd look more like flock of seagulls, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And that's just a bit disappointing,
0: dude. Yeah, but I, I, I think there's something to be said for the fear of leaning in. Like I was, I, I was, I had, I hadn't shaved for a couple of weeks, uh, and I shaved a few days ago. And just as a lark, I kept the moustache just to see what I would look like with a moustache. I've never had a moustache in my life, and I was there going, "Dude, you could totally pull this off. You look great with a moustache. You look like a fucking Cohen brothers character actor." Uh, and I was like, "I'm going to keep the moustache just for a couple of weeks." Couldn't do it. Five minutes later, I ran back into them. Like, <laughs> And it's like in November. I could totally just go, oh, yeah, I'm doing it for November. I've got yeah. like a total yeah. real-world excuse. Yeah. But there's that part of me that's like, oh, it's just... I don't know if it's from being a former fat kid and just not wanting people to look at me for any reason, just wanting to be as invisible as possible when I walk down the street. Right. And there's this idea of like, if I've got a moustache, people will have an idea that I'm trying to be something I'm not or whatever it is. And and, I mean, it's a complete fucking prison of a mindset to be in. You know, if I want to have a fucking moustache, why can't I have a moustache and and not give a shit what other people's point of view is my,
1: my ex-girlfriend ridiculous. and i uh, bianca uh, back in the 90s we went to a fancy dress party and i had a mustache mm. for the party and i found a photo of it recently and i sent it to bianca and i was like saying remember when we had this photo taken if people didn't know the, us they'd be like saying wow she's close to her dad <laughs> <laughs> and bianca sent back this message going ah you're so right <laughs> um yeah it's it's funny isn't it it's like i i often wonder how i would have presented if i had higher cheekbones
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do it all the time how how would i present if i was taller and had hair yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um and then also and and then some of those uh
1: some of the alternative worlds with the 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 way you know the things that were going on in them as well i had a like i think i just had a bit of a general fear of it to be honest well, uh, you know especially growing up with the uh, uh, the mainstream uh, uh, storytelling of uh, the AIDS pandemic and all of that kind of stuff you know right. it's I I never th- th- this is not to say that that lifestyle definitely hooks up with this lifestyle but w- one of the many reasons I never uh, went near heroin or anything like that was the fear of getting sick oh, yeah. from a dirty needle or, you know, something yeah. like that, yeah. apart from everything else yeah, that goes yeah. with
0: it. But that was a big part of it. Yeah. I uh, I just I, – I, I, it's so funny because I, I, it seems counterintuitive because comedy is very much a community, you know, but, but you're still very kind of isolated within yes. it. But I've never really felt comfortable in – Group activities. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, they just... Like, I went and saw our friend Sean's band the other night. Oh, yeah. It was the first band I've seen in, fuck, two years. Two years, yeah, right. And it was great. Like, they were so good. Yeah. It was like Mr. Bungle. It was, like, crazy good music. And everyone is dancing and jumping up and down. And I'm, like, a 60-year-old man right back, sitting on my own, sitting yeah. just drinking a glass of water and like bopping my head along and it didn't it wouldn't have even occurred to me like yeah I'm gonna run up the front and dance with everyone it's right. like nah I'm good I'm just leave me alone up the yeah. back to enjoy the music in <laughs> yeah. my own way <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I I, that, that there is a part of me that's sad for that Mm. Because I don't think that it's I don't when I really examine it I don't think it's like oh I'm a rugged individual. No, I think it's like no you're fucking terrified that someone's going to make fun of you.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I guess it's that and just the like. uh, It's funny there was a a time in the late nineties, early two thousands where I used to go out clubbing and dancing all the time, Mm. and it was it was great. Fuck, I was super fit, you Mm. know, and had Mm. really good skin. Like uh, you know, a lot of sweating is good for the balls, but. Then there was just some period where it was suddenly... I just became self conscious about dancing, and then oh, it just stopped don't. i don't even know no, nobody said anything to me i don't know i don't know if I was having a good time, caught myself in the reflection went you look like an idiot i like I just don't know yeah
0: what happened yeah but yeah. it's yeah it's it's quite debilitating, but on the flip side, like you don't want to, like I was at the glebe markets uh, a, a few months back or when it whenever fucking a few years back, a few decades back, who even knows anymore uh, and a uh there's some lovely young lady with an acoustic guitar singing a song, yeah. And there was a guy, there was a guy about, I don't know, late 50s, 60s, who knows. You know, dressed like a hippie. And he was dancing like with his eyes closed in this like really weird kind of sensual moving his arms or like lost. I'm I'm lost in the music, baby. And he made everyone so profoundly uncomfortable. Like everyone was just like, Ugh! like, you know what I mean? And there's that part of you going like Good for you. You're free and you're, you're having a nice dance, but yeah. everyone around you feels like they've got to ring fucking the sex crimes unit. Like this is awful. Oh wow, like, y- this is creeping me out. Oh. So like, um, is it that? Is it the fear of being like you know like you don't want to be too free? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be
1: you know free enough. I feel I feel free in heaps of other ways. I don't I don't need to be doing some uh, kind of dancing that's going to get people oh. with uh, kids
0: calling the sex pest uh, hotline. It's moments like this, I wish we had the video component of the podcast, because oh, I can't even, words cannot describe yep. the dance, it was it was just too much.
1: We will introduce that at some point. Too much. Um, returning to Morpheus, offering the red pill or the blue pill was mm. a bit of sweet moment, it's still such an amazing scene, yeah. but
0: since that uh, idea has been co-opted by the alt-right... Well, that's an amazing kind of insight into the power of metaphor, right? Right. That this, you know, you can have the alt-right have their interpretation of what red-pilling is. Yeah. And that, I'm sure, was not the intent of the creators of the film or yeah. the metaphor. And also, you know, there's multiple interpretations for red-pilling. Yeah. Waking up to the
1: truth. Yeah. Uh, the uh, There's some stuff in the Squid Bits about that, you know, but this is what happens. It's the militant left create the tools to make a better world Mm. and the alt-right appropriate them and perfect them (laughs) and you know like if hitler were alive today he'd be suing people for calling him a
0: nazi (laughs) i think i think that's very true uh and i think you're seeing that with humor Oh, well, well, I think, uh, you you know, I've been
1: working on this long-term project this year with uh, with someone. Tasty little hint. And uh, one of the things we have in the show is, like, this is my interpretation. I'm not saying this is correct, Mm. but comedy seems to be made up of a lot of people desperate to be liked and a lot of right-wing people getting their ideas Across and it just—I don't know—it just is not very interesting to me. Like I feel like yeah. I feel like four years of Trump and all of that stuff has just kind of
0: broken comedy a little bit for me. Well, I think what's happened is you know I think I think what we're currently living through now is the realization of the actual kind of um, ideological emptiness of being on the far left or the far right. Yeah, in the fact that things have so dramatically just the, the like. Uh, th- things have flipped in such a way Like, you know, you've suddenly got the far right that hate the police And the far left love the police mm. But a couple of years ago, it was the complete opposite of that mm. You know, you, uh, you hear far left people now going like Oh, I hope the fucking cops caved that cunt's head in for being an anti-vaxxer Like, whoa! Like, right. a couple of years ago, you hated the police yeah. And conversely, with the right, you know yeah. Oh, fuck the cops, the cops are fucking ooh. like. But you guys traditionally love Police yeah. and and you're definitely seeing that with um, the weaponization of humor. Yeah, like the humor and satire was always a weapon of the left. Yeah, it was always a way of enraging the right and making the right clutch their pearls and like how dare you make fun of our religion or yeah. our politics or whatever it is. And now it seems that the far left have completely lost any kind of objective sense of humour yeah. are constantly outraged by everything and the right have glommed onto to that fact and like oh we can just troll the shit out of you yeah. and be really like and uh, yeah, I'm not making a judgement call on whether it's funny or not but like have you seen Pauline Hansen's cartoons on YouTube, no. You got to watch. They're, they're fucking hilarious, right? And that makes me really uncomfortable to say, right? Why it, it, are they funny? They're really funny. They're Why? Ju- they're, they're, because they're they're like old school kind of South Park humor of just making fun of all the. So it's her teaching. It's her in a classroom, right? Uh, teaching um, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese and Clive Palmer and all the politicians in the yep. in the um, government. Uh, different lessons so this is a lesson about political campaigns and this is a lesson about funding and everything there's not really any ideology in it there's mm. no like this is one nation's policy on that mm. it's just a cartoon of Barnaby Joyce with a beetroot for a head and a face on a beetroot going ah, ah, I, like, I like the country it's just like it's just like hardcore tro- and you know Clive Palmer's jabber the Hutt you know with a, back- a packet of Tim Tams and it's just like that kind of um, quote unquote subversive humor that the left probably would have engaged in five to 10 years ago but now you've got this kind of like really radical right-wing fringe politician using that template to kind of in in a a campaign ad kind of way right and it's it's more dangerous than it seems because they're actually funny yes and but it's connected to an ideology that is abjectly abhorrent yeah and yet you, the left have lost that that ability to kind of go like poke fun at shit or go you know whatever it's 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 fascinating and it's insidious and and yeah. all of this stuff and and that's what I that's what uh, I, I kind of lament with the left at the moment that there's this. Like, a loss of sense of humour yeah. at, 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 the, at the risk of offending anyone. And it's like, well, in in, in, in lieu of offending anyone or everyone, you've kind of... You, you can't say anything. Yes. So, it's every, every statement is couched and, and, you know, every word is perfectly measured and all this other stuff. And I think the right have caught on to that and just gone, well, fuck it, we're going to go hell for leather with making fun of you and trolling you and doing yeah. what you would have done to us 10 years ago. It's just fascinating to see how everything's flipped. Flipped, It's, yeah. I, 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 like, really incredible.
1: We've talked about it before, but one of the failures of the left to dealing with Donald Trump was to uh, acknowledge that even if you don't find him funny, he does have a sense of humour.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and, that's, and they just didn't know how to
0: combat that. But it's the removal of nuance. Yeah. That, that, that's the death of any kind of conversation about any topic ever. Yeah. You know, to, 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 to slam down on some kind of absolutist opinion on anything is, you know, Trump would not have become the president of the United States if there wasn't a kernel of truth or reality or whatever you want to say. Yeah. In, in the middle of a giant cake of utter bullshit yeah. and lies and racism and you know you know and i i can't believe i'm even having to justify myself you know that i went through five years of basically a mental breakdown while he was the president i could yeah. not fucking handle it yeah how awful he is and everything but the the left's denial that you know that, 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 that there had to have been something in there yeah. beyond just the cruelty and the trolling and everything well, he's gonna For, drain the swamp yeah. he's gonna he's gonna get rid of the corrupt. Politicians. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Says the corrupt politician. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, and and, and on and on and on. And it's like, you know, I think that we've said it before. It's like, that you've got the far left, you've got the far right, and then there's the vast majority of us kind of swimming in the middle going, hey, guys, like, this is crazy. Can we yeah. just all talk? Yeah. Can we kind of have a nuanced conversation where, and it's okay if we disagree? We don't yeah. have to fucking burn each other at the stake if yeah. my opinion is slightly divergent from your opinion or whatever yeah. it is. But, you know, it's like these battlegrounds are being waged, you know, and, and I think that this movie really pushes that across, back to the movie, uh, in, you know... I think that the, the the good thing that 2 and 3 does, it puts into question this very kind of Manichaean perspective of the first, where it's like, all robots are bad and all humans are good. Mm. It's like, well, it's not that simple either. No, no. And the, the, the second and third films do a really they good job of exploring that. that. Yeah, They yeah. bust that open in a big way. And, like, you know, uh, we haven't got to them yet, but Cypher, is it Cypher? Yeah. Joe well, yeah. yeah. Like... You know, I mean, people are insane if they don't see his perspective a little bit. I mean, I don't think he should kill everyone.
1: Well, you know, let's get... I was going to have Cypher uh, a little bit later, but let's go now. Uh, I think he's a much more interesting character to me than he was na- now, yeah. than he was back then. Uh, back then, he was just very understandably the bad guy. Yeah. Because also, you didn't quite realise what was going on in that world. But you Like now he's kind of all of us like yeah. cypher is um you know we're all guilty of turning off at some point i know i am i'm just as guilty you know it's like when he's saying why didn't i take the blue pill and when he's saying i know this meat isn't real but jesus it's, um it's tasting good like i feel that way about so much oh dude
0: absolutely absolutely i mean fucking that could be a, that could be a metaphor for all the fucking marvel movies yeah i know it's not that good but you know, it entertains me right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? But like, you know, like that, that, that. I mean, whoever's that, whatever, woken up, uh, haven't kind of gone. Maybe it wasn't. <sighs> yeah, like you.
1: Okay, so you wake up, right? This is great. Yeah. Now I know now. I've got things that <laughs> plug into my spine. Yeah. I'm eating fucking yeah. what looks like elephant cum,
0: and. Uh, You know, I'm hanging – my clothes are shit ours. Yeah. And and, I'm being ordered around by a religious ideologue that really doesn't have that much to – of real world proof to show me of why am I now dedicating my life to this fucking crazy myth of the one. Yeah. You know, again, as I say, he shouldn't be fucking killing them all. Maybe he should try and renegotiate them. Like, yeah. yeah. Hey guys, can you just put me back in? I'm 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 good. Like I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he needs to fucking zap him all. Um, but you know, it's also that thing of like he's obviously been driven insane. I mean, he's he's. I think he says he's been there for nine years.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something it's like that.
0: It's a long that. fucking time to be yeah. cruising around in some weird hovercraft with Morpheus. going oh, I'm looking for the one. We're gonna yeah. find the one. <laughs> You know, uh,
1: who knows where this new movie will go. Uh, By the way, I may have watched the trailer about 722 times after finishing the trailer, (laughs) uh, after the trilogy, Uh, and I'd already watched it a few times, but now it's like, now I'm... Like when I first saw that trailer, I was so surprised at how invested I was, and then now I am fucking. My pupils feel like they're not going to dilate for ages. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I you know it would have been interesting to have a sometimes some of their ideas, which are really fascinating. It feels like they explore the wrong part of it, Mm. and uh, how powerful would it have been to have had like a, a section of where they live that is full of people who have chosen to go back in hmm. and every now and again they go and catch up with them to see you know to test them to see if they want to come back out you know or yeah, like right. there be something interesting in, in, a, in a more gentle way of, go, of people who reject it and, and
0: exploring that as an ideology it could be like that room in Inception where guys go to sleep. Sleep, yeah. You know, you're not in a pod. Yeah. You're just permanently jacked in. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. By the way, I only have half a drink. That was Ben bringing me up Inception. Um, <laughs> in in this first film, we really view the movie not just as a uh, on the cinematic screen, yes. but we view the, the story through reflections, TVs, monitors, mirrors, which help convey this sense of a dream within a dream. Uh, the world of The Matrix feels unreal but i would argue our modern world feels closer to the matrix than it did in 99 100%. and what like this is a big question this might end up being a two part podcast uh, but what
0: what do you believe the world is now oh it's the, it is the matrix yeah it so, is, you know, especially with the, you know, fucking, I'm sure we'll get to this, but I'm sure with, you know, Zuckerberg's, what's it called? Metaverse. The Metaverse. Yeah. You know, I reckon once VR becomes fairly ubiquitous, as it will. Yeah. What kind of existential crack up is that going to lead to? Yeah. Where people are genuinely like... You know, because we talk about simulation theory and all that now. Of like, are we in a computer program? But when you're literally diving in and out and in and out of very believable, immersive worlds, yeah, I don't know that the human brain is going to be able to cope with that. And I think that you combine that with drugs. You can't tell me there's not going to be millions of people bonging out of their brains, slipping VI helmets on. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it's going to lead to a lot of kind of, what I-? you know, we already talked, well, what is real, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, I really think it's going to... I think it's going to fuck us up real bad. Oh, yeah. There's a part of me that wants to get
1: in on the ground level. Really? Yeah, because I reckon it's going to be potentially so awful and so <laughs> just... There's going to be so much going on with it. I want to understand it immediately. Oh, really? You you know, it's not like... And we'll talk about this a little bit later because I've got stuff on it. But there's this part of me that's like... Like TikTok, I'm fine without knowing TikTok. Do you know what I mean? But this feels like I'm not into this. I think this is a real worry. I just do not want to subscribe to it, and I want to get in on the grand level so I understand exactly where I stand with it. To oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. It's it. Funnily enough. I heard a podcast where a guy who's really into cryptocurrency, Mm. and I have no interest in Mm. cryptocurrency, but it was the first time it had ever been explained in a way that I went, oh, Mm, (laughs) and he was saying... He was specifically talking about young people. He was mm. saying young people are set up to fail. They cannot succeed. You cannot save money. No. You go to university, you get these massive debts. Oh, yeah. You are always paying it off. You're encouraged to get a mortgage. You can't earn more than your oh. industry. A beer and is $9. <laughs> Sorry? A beer is $9. Oh, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> uh, but, in, uh, but cryptocurrency... Yeah. It's, you don't have to ask anyone permission and you can actually save money. And there's, you know, like I think Bitcoin, there's only a certain yeah. amount. That's all there is. Yeah. And the value of it depends on how many people are engaging with it. Yeah. And uh, this is an opportunity for young people to circumvent the world economy and be able to save and have some self respect mm. and get on top of things and do i i don't know enough about cryptocurrency i don't i've only you know read very over uh, vague overviews of stuff but uh that was the first time i'd ever heard it explained in a way that i went oh yeah hey. oh okay yeah um so this is what i wrote uh, you're going to have to forgive me. I wrote this at the end of day three of the four days at the chase. Oh, so this, is after, this is off the back of about six hours sleep and 12-hour days. But, uh, you know, what do you believe the world is now? And this touches on a bit of the stuff that we've already uh, spoken about. But I think we live in a fictional world and the turning point was September 11. The psychic backlash from that... Uh, makes it difficult to comprehend everything. Yeah. It was too big. Yeah. It was like a movie. Yeah. And in watching it, it's really, it's just so big. You, you forget about all the people that died on oh, it. Yeah. Like, you know that people died on it, but it's its too much to uh, uh, really kind of accept on an emotional level. And for me, the first hint of our world becoming fictional mm. was the moment that I got up as a kid and I loved watching the space shuttle stuff and watching the challenger explode
0: Mm. was
1: as a kid was Mm. like, what, what just happened? Like what, what did I just view? Uh, that was a big moment for me. From that moment, technology progressed exponentially. Mm. Uh, we post the lives. We feel comfortable living online. The winner, I'm the sad person. I'm the just person. I'm the anarchist. Uh, but you don't really have to fully commit as well. You mm. can be all of those things of online. Now the metaverse is just around the corner. Uh, the world is still normal. Like The world is normal, but people are not connected Mm. And through that disconnection, we are kind of nothing but fiction. Mm. Uh, you know, for us as comedians, it's, uh, you know, you, you tell a story on stage, a little bit of sugar. We suddenly now know what you, we don't remember things perfectly. We remember the memory of the mm. memory. And that's why many of us who uh, stay in comedy for too long I think become shallower versions of Mm -hmm. the people they were truly meant to be because all they're doing is playing shadow versions Mm -hmm. of themselves Mm -hmm. on stage and off. You know, this is my journey. Leave the past behind to discover who I really am. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. that's what I'm on at the moment. I hate that word, journey, but that's kind of the best, uh, uh, you know, way I can describe it. Mm. And to really know who you are and who you're going to be, you have to make a conscious effort to leave so much of your life behind, the people that you know, the way you look at things. Mm. And I consider this podcast as mm. my weapon for that. This is my blanket. This yeah. is my scalpel to cut away the dross and, helpfully, and
0: hopefully... Reveal something beautiful underneath Oh man, it's beautiful Yeah, it's true I think we are having to You know, you talk about comedians Performativity But that's everyone now Everyone. You know, yeah. I remember Grant Morrison in his utopian kind of early 2000s thing of like, yeah, put cameras everywhere. It'll be great. We'll all turn into performers. It's like, nah, it's not great though. It's shit. It's fucking awful. Because, yeah. you know, now everyone is this, this kind of, there's this inauthenticity to every interaction, which is why I think people are so, I mean, people always were so alive and hungry for real yeah. Connection and, and but I think more so than ever, um, it, it, Joseph Campbell talks about like, uh, you know, we're all looking for a meaning to life, uh, and you know, but it's not about finding a meaning to being alive, it's just the act of being alive, right? Just being alive is what the meaning is, yes, not there's no meaning, it's yes. just you know, you've got to find the, the vitality of being alive, yeah, um, and I think that is what you know, God skull a bottle of fucking bourbon because here comes an anti-technology rant uh, but that is what the technology has done to us it's it's removed us from the authenticity of life yeah uh, you know it's everyone is reactionary hot taking as you say you know you, you you present a version of yourself that really needs no backup yeah because it's a, a meme or a fucking tweet or whatever This is why everyone is such a profound activist now, even though they've never fucking done anything or, you know, uh, everyone's opinions are so uh, solid, even though they don't have to back them up in any kind of real world situation. Um, And I think that we are all being driven slowly insane by this removal of the vitality of life and interaction and we think we can just migrate it to an online space and oh how great will it be in the metaverse because i can look like a salmon and you can look like ernie from sesame street and we can hang out in a space station to no it'll fucking suck because eventually essentially you're still just sitting on your fucking sad couch with a helmet on it's shit Yeah. What are you talking about? It's going to be good. I mean, I think the backlash against it was very heartening to see that most people were like, that looks awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, fuck. People have said that looks awful about a lot of stuff and gotten on board with it anyway. Mobile phones. Mobile phones, exactly. So uh, I just, yeah, I just don't know where... That's what I mean
1: about I don't like the idea of the metaverse at all, but I want to get in on it on the ground level to fully understand... What it is, what's going on, what damage it can cause, so I can make the right choices to make sure that I can protect myself. Against I, it. I,
0: I, I, I don't think I don't think I'll ever put that. Help. I've done VR a couple of times. Yeah, uh, it's an incredibly discombobulating experience. Yeah. I've only ever done it once, and it was like. I found it really hard to walk
1: afterwards yeah. in the real world. It was a bit like, oh, geez. It's like when I, it's like when I get brand new prescription glasses, yeah. and then when I walk, everything's like, oh, yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. in a
0: high definition. I but- think, I think it's, I think it will, it will I think it will, you know. It's so, how can fucking Zuckerberg, after all that he has wrought on this fucking world, still try and sell this utopian? Vision. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, how great is he it? gonna? No, it's gonna be a bunch of alt right fuckheads at virtual clan rallies. What are you talking about? Yeah. That's exactly what it's gonna fucking be. Yeah. It's gonna be more detachment, more separation. Why go to the concert if you can just slip a helmet be at the c- Fuck off. Yeah. To say nothing of what it feels like when the sound waves are vibrating through your whole body and your cells are. Yeah, and just being there and the random interaction that you have when you go to the bathroom or the bar or something and you just go walk past some stranger and go, hey, how sick is this? Yeah. Like all of that, you just suck all that out. Yeah. Who gives a shit? It's just about, you know, I saw you two in a virtual concert. Yeah. oh, I just, why are we allowing the most socially inept awful bland beige person dictate what our social interactions are cuz he what, has all that money what happened to us yeah well, what it's all, has happened to us well we never we you know it's it's this fucking nerd yeah is dictating how we interact with each other and we're like it really sucks but what other option is there well you just don't do it it's well, really it's, easy. it's
1: because everyone reacts to who has the money and cuz if you have the money you have the power and it's it's like that all the time i remember Uh, This is a while ago, but, you know, I remember when uh, a close friend of mine died and uh, it was an awful experience and it was something that took me a long time to get over. And there was uh, a comedian with a high profile who, to make a very long story, really short and you know painless uh, appropriated that friendship and created a show about it that toured all over the world Disgusting. and i know for a fact that uh, i know for a fact that my friend was friends with this person but not close enough for them to do the show and everyone in the industry was you know like i was pretty distraught about it and angry and hurt and a lot of things on top of the grief i was feeling for my pal but uh lots of people really said to me that they understood and nobody did anything of course they didn't
0: not one thing they went online and congratulated that person for what a great show they did that's what they did because everyone's a fucking coward now yeah people are, like the, people's cowardice is profound now yeah it's, it's, it, it makes me sick you know yeah. They all. Everyone thinks that they change the, They change the little fucking border on their Facebook profile photo yeah. to say they stand in solidarity with this group or that group, and that makes. What do you do? Like it's no, you, most...
1: you know what they'll do? They'll do a fucking uh, photo shoot for uh, you know. Hey, I'm a man and I'm against violence yeah. against women, and you know what I'm going to do for the month of fucking May. I'm going to paint <laughs> one of my fingernails, and then they then those same people will complain when a woman says, "Oh, this comedy venue mm. uh, it doesn't make women feel safe." Mm. And and I just wish people wouldn't perform there. Mm. And those same guys are like, "Oh, hey, come on, what? Yeah. Like, They're good guys. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's great there. Geez, don't yeah. tar me with that brush. I painted my fingernail fucking yeah, exactly. purple
0: for fucking May. Exactly. It's the it's the, it's the performativity. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. It's activism performativity. It's 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 so fucking gross. You know, like, uh, and I think I think it just it, it's the ease of having a position now. Yes. Without actually having to get your hands dirty. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and I could go in so many directions on this, but I feel like if I talk too much, someone will go, oh, that's offensive and cancel me. So, you know.
1: Not, not the people that listen to this podcast. No. These, our people are fucking great. It's, it's the rest of the people that I have trouble with. That's why I always uh, say to everyone who listens to the podcast, if you would like to invite like-minded people
0: to join us, please do so. But... But I think, look, I think there is, a, there is definitely, and look, I'm aware that I'm very much in my inner city bubbles, mm. but uh, there does seem to be a growing consensus of the insanity of all of this. Right. Uh, have you ever met a person that talks about social media or their phone with pleasure? I've never met anyone. Yeah, right. Like, I bang on about it. Yeah. But I challenge you to find one person that's like, oh, I love my phone. Oh, I love Facebook. Everyone has this kind of like... Uh, like, like like, the serfs talking about their plows. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's... Yeah, like, Got to yeah. keep on top of it all. Uh, like, there's no... Is it enriching? Does it make you feel like you have any kind of connection with your soul or the universe or your heart or any other people? No, it really doesn't. And yeah. but and yet there's this continual participation in it because you know much like so much of what we do in our lives. Well, what else are you going to do? Like I don't want to. I don't want to buck the trend. Um, it's it's very interesting and so i do think look i think there'll be a vast majority of people that will always participate but i think there is a growing contingent of people that want real experiences yes um like this other this uh, this side project that i'm doing that's coming out in january everybody and i'll talk about it in a few weeks uh i'm having long conversations with people that have been in lockdown for a long time and They're so charged and awesome because, you know, like, it's just two strangers meeting with similar interests and just going for it and they're just such nourishing conversations yeah and after every one I've had these people just go like oh you know thank you because yeah. it's just been I've been online for so long yes well you know they're probably freaked out that they're hanging out with someone
1: who's actually listening as well because yeah. you part of the reason you're doing this project is mm. you know not only is something that you want to discuss but you want to learn as yeah, well absolutely. so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um anyway welcome to a new edition of Two Men Yelling at Clouds uh <laughs> <laughs> but we're right yeah. always right but and we're yelling at the real clouds not not the fake clouds <laughs> to ben elwood for this big discussion we'll both be back tomorrow with part two of this deep dive into the matrix then remember we'll be back on thursday with our discussion about the matrix reloaded Uh, before i go another big thank you to our patreon subscriber of the episode sam streeter i hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, as i said earlier i hope we can catch up in person at some point in the new year If you'd like to support the work that is done here, there are myriad ways you can do that. You can subscribe to the podcast, leave a top review at Apple Podcasts, recommend us to a friend, or you know what, just enjoy listening to the podcast. I'm wrapped with any decision you make. Let's finish today with a quote from Morpheus himself, Lawrence Fishburne. I think of myself as a relatively intelligent man who is open to a lot of different things. And I think that questioning our purpose in life and then the meaning of existence is something that we all go through at some point. Until then.
0: And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com slash covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered.
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.
0: Welcome back to Two Judgy Girls. I'm Mary from the
1: Bay.